Well, hey, good morning, everybody. So good to see all of you guys. Um, if this is your first time here at Hill City, uh, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this team here. And just so grateful you decided to spend a portion of your Sunday here. Uh, if you're visiting from out of town, welcome. Uh, if you're looking for a new church, we really hope that um, this becomes a place that you can call home. And if you've got any questions about uh, how to get connected here or anything and what, how to navigate all of that on your way out, um, right there by all the new Christmas trees uh, over there, uh, there'll be some people that can answer any questions that you have and we'll love to connect with you. Um, and also, just as a reminder to... Um, you know, this, we've been highlighting Virginia Kids Belong all month, and um, don't forget to go by and talk to them uh, on, the, on your way out. They're a wonderful partner of ours, and uh, they do such incredible work uh, in this city. And um, we're excited about what's happening even in our community. We've had so many of you guys jump in and want to be a part of helping uh, foster families or maybe foster yourself. And so it's been really cool uh, just to see how you guys have responded. And uh, so if you're wondering, hey, man, how, is there anybody else that I can get involved in this, um, stop by and talk to them uh, on your way out uh, this morning. Uh, we're in a, a new series today called uh, The Good News. And um, I don't know about you all, um, but man, I'm kind of over all the negativity. No, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just exhausting. And um, the negative narratives that uh, are just always out there, the constant just negative uh, perspective, uh, it's just, it's exhausting. Um, sometimes even people be like, you know, like, wags, like the church stinks, right? I'm like, no, like it doesn't. Like, there, have, has the church gotten it wrong sometimes? Yes, okay? Have Christians gotten it wrong sometimes? Absolutely. Um, but there's also so much good, and there's so much hope, and there's so much to latch onto, and it's just been so tiring um, and exhausting of just like this whole thing about uh, everything's just so negative. And so, and that's just like, I'm not even talking about what's going on in culture. I'm just talking about like just within the context of people who call themselves Christians. And it's like, man, we are supposed to be people of hope. Did you know that? Like when we talk about the message of Jesus, we, we literally say it's good news, right? And so that should be like when we say this is good news, then when people experience Christians, they're like, man, y'all are, are fun to be around, right? You, you guys got a smile on your faces, like you're, you're people of hope, even in the midst of deep trials and suffering, which happen. It's like, man, you have some kind of inner joy that is unexplainable because like this good news that you have, right? Too often what happens is uh, people get around Christians, you're like, y'all are miserable and you're mean, <laughs> Right? And it's like, what about the good news part? And so um, over the next few weeks, we want to talk about this good news and why it really matters. And, you know, when we begin to, to think about the good news, um, I want to read from Luke 2, chapter 10, because it says this. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Okay? Good news that will cause great joy for all people. So when we're talking about this good news, that's actually what we're talking about. But there's this good news that will bring great joy for all people, not just some people, that this message of Jesus is, is good news. And what's interesting about news is news are supposed to talk about what's already happened. It's not projecting what will happen, right? And so it's fascinating, even in the story, when the angel comes and says that, man, this, this child's going to be born, and it's good news, and great, it's going to bring great joy for all people. It's interesting because then there's part of this, it's like, whoa, 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 the story has already happened? Like this, this story of, of good news, some of this story has already happened. It's been in play, and so you're part of this story. And so when we start thinking about the good news, it's like, man, this should transform our perspective. This should transform every 
piece of us. This should transform how we view every element of our lives because this is such great news. And when we think about news, here's what's interesting. There's this word that comes up in Scripture that's it's an S there, if you got it. What's that word? Good job. The gospel. How many of you guys have heard that word before? All right. So what's interesting about this word, the gospel, this gospel and good news go hand in hand. Um, it's actually the same phrasing even within scripture. And what's interesting about this word, uh, the gospel, is when you say the gospel, it's like all the, there's a little like heavier weight that should come with it because this gospel is supposed to tell some kind of good news, supposed to tell some kind of story. And what I love about it is when we think about the gospel, um, sometimes I wonder if we as Christians even know what the gospel is. And um, some of the reasons that I think the good news doesn't actually work when we say it is because we don't know what the gospel is. And so if our, you, you know, think about it, if, if we were to come up to you right now, um, we're gonna have, we, we have someone that's going to come around with a mic and you can just raise your hand and tell me what the gospel is. And um, if we were to do that, some of you guys are like, we're doing that? I'm like, no, we're not actually doing that. Um, but if I was like, hey, all right, uh, I was like, Joe, grab a mic, and, and like, we're just going to kind of do like a little popcorn. If you, if, I was like, if you call yourself a Christian, raise your hand. You all be like, yeah, right? When I'm a Christian, I'm like, all right, just keep your hands up, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk around to some random people and ask you, hey, what's the gospel? Everyone will go like, <laughs> right? That's what happened like pretty quickly. And, um, or you might have like this, this kind of concept of the gospel, and when, some of it might be true. But I always wonder, do we really know the fullness of the gospel? And until we do, it's not going to be good news. The, the way that I actually wrote it this week is kind of the main idea. Is if we preach a gospel that Jesus didn't, there's no reason for anyone to think it is good news. And this is what I think happens a lot. That we begin to think about this, um, this idea of the gospel, but we're, we're preaching a gospel and we're living a gospel that actually isn't what the Bible says is the gospel. And we've kind of taken maybe little pieces of it that could be true, um, but maybe not the fullness of it. When uh, there's been times over the years, over these past seven years, where uh, we've talked about uh, cultural topics, all right? And we've kind of engaged some of them, and people will write me an email or maybe speak to me like, I just wish you would preach the gospel. And I, and I always laugh when they say that. And I go, because I'll always ask, now you tell me what you think the gospel is. Because a lot of times, what ends up happening in these conversations, it's because we think, just preach the gospel. It's like, no, just preach my opinion. Because a lot of times, what people want to hear. And what's always fascinating to me is, in a lot of times in those conversations, what we'll end up discovering and is, man, a lot of times people wouldn't actually like the, the gospel that Jesus preached. We've gotten away from it and how we begin to interact with it in the context of Scripture and how Jesus actually talked about the gospel in and of itself. And so um, when we think about this stuff, it's important for us to start saying, okay, do I fully understand the gospel? And, and, and when I think about the gospel, what does it actually look like to me? What are, what are some of the ways that the gospel can come forward? So for all of us, we've been influenced. Influenced, if you grew up in church at all, you've been influenced by the particular denomination you grew up with, the, maybe the pastor you grew up with, your, your family, um, the culture you grew up with. And so that influences how you view the gospel and how you view the content of the gospel. So even I wrote down a few options here. 
for types of gospels that maybe um, we've encountered. Um, there's one of the evangelical gospel, um, and some of you guys might have grown up with, with this one, which is, I mean, if you just preach the gospel and you talk to the kind of evangelical circles, right, and I'm, gonna, I'm generalizing here, okay? Um, it would go something like this. You're going to hell unless you choose to say yes to Jesus. But when you say yes to Jesus, you get to go to heaven and have eternal life. And then you just kind of let it go. And so you might have grown up in services at the end and be like, all right, who wants to say yes to Jesus? Just raise your hand, right? Um, Lacey always tells the story how she raised her hand every Sunday for like 10 years because she just had a guilt complex. You know, she's like, just in case it wasn't real the last time, you know? And so, um, but we grow up in this like, that you raise your hand. Is that bad? I'm not saying it's bad at all. But when it's just about what's interesting is that's actually a very modern way to think about the gospel. It's actually a 20th century way to think about the gospel. That was not part of early church way of thinking about it. That you would just say, hey, if you say yes to Jesus, you get heaven. And that's kind of like the end of the story. Um, but we were raised on some of that. Um, I mean, I remember sitting with pastors sometimes and they would say things like this. How many salvations happened this Sunday? How do you know? Like, if you counted Lacey 10 straight weeks, she's really padding the numbers, right? Like, so, so we don't actually, like, like, no. She's good now, by the way. But, um, but, but how do we really know? And so that's, that's one way to think about the gospel. Is some of that true? There's a part of that's true. But is it the gospel? And is it the way the Bible talks about the gospel? Um, there's the Reformed gospel, which is, uh, um, it really highlights kind of, and again, I'm generalizing here, it highlights kind of the faith part, but kind of diminish the, the works part, um, even though in scripture those, those things kind of have like an equal balance almost. And then you've got um, uh, this idea that you're, you're kind of, this word that's used is depravity, like you're just a sinner. And you got to pump that in there, right? And so you, like you, if you didn't leave church feeling like oh, man, I suck, I'm a sinner, then, like, you didn't really hear the gospel, right? Um, Now, is there a weight to our sin? Yes. Is is the idea of, is it by faith? Yes, right? Like, there's some truth to what's there, but what can happen sometimes is is if we don't, if we're not careful, we can get kind of arrogant, because here's what we start seeing people as, they're just all depraved sinners, and we start, like, missing out on how to really view people. You've got the prosperity gospel, um, which is, like, if you just give, if you give a dollar, you'll get ten back. That doesn't, that's not a thing, okay? Like, in terms, like, that doesn't actually work, all right? Might it happen here and there? Sure, it might happen. But, like, that's not, like, it's not, like, A plus B equals C, all right? So, or, or the prosperity gospel, if you guys have ever been around um, folks, um, it would say something like this. Well, you just don't have enough faith to be healed. And, um, and so uh, that's the kind of this prosperity gospel. It's almost like you're using, if you just do the right things, then God will just automatically bless you, right? What's always fascinating to me, I was like, you all know the disciples got persecuted and died, right? And got killed for their faith. I was like, I'm not sure where the blessing, but the prosperity was on that one. Um, social justice gospel is another one. Um, now, let me go back for a second. But is there prosperity with, with, with Jesus? Yeah, yeah, there can be, of course. Right? Can there be? Of course, there can be all those things. But if we just focus on one little lane, it's going to get distorted. The social justice gospel, which is, kind of comes from this, uh, everything's an oppressor or oppressed mindset. And um, is, is justice a part of the gospel? It is. It is. But is, it, is this the only part? No, it's not. And it can get distorted really quickly. Um, you've got a therapeutic gospel, which is, 
everyone's in therapy now, right? It feels like. And, um, and some of that's really good. Like I'm, I am pro-therapy, pro-people getting counseling and professional help and everything. Yes to all of those things. Um, but a lot of times what's happening now is like this, the good news of therapy is like you can kind of just sit in your feelings and people go in therapy for long periods of time. Um, I've talked to some therapists and they've said, we get so overrun because people keep coming back that don't actually need it. And the people that actually need it, we don't have time to give them the, t like the th time that they actually need. And so it's been interesting to see some, some of that. Um, you've got uh, the political gospel. I won't get into that stuff, but that's all tribal. We all have, goodness gracious, have I talked about that. A materialistic um, gospel, which is like kind of your whole, your good news of your life and the identity of your life and the hope of your life is what you own, how you look, and what your status is. And you shape your whole life around that. And we begin to see, like, man, that's part of, like, who I am. It's where it's helped shape my identity. Postmodern is this idea that your life's all about you and the self. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about that in a, in next year at some point. But um, it's this idea of, like, hey, you just, you, it's your truth. You believe what you want. You can do what you want. And all these things can kind of, like, influence us. Like, man, all these things can be, like, the type of gospels. But when it comes to the gospel... How does the Bible talk about it? I love um, this guy, Bruxy Cavey, who is, uh, he's a pastor up in Canada. He's one of my favorites. And um, he wrote this book called Reunion, which is a great book. And uh, he describes the gospel in, in three different ways. He says, if you describe it in one word, it's Jesus. All right, which, which is like the best. Because whenever we say, like, hey, what's the answer to this? And in church, we can yell Jesus. And it's like, yes. So in the beginning, if I said, what's the gospel? And you just yelled Jesus, you would have been right. Okay. So the gospel in one word is Jesus. He says then the gospel in three words is Jesus' love. But then he says the gospel in 30 words is this. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom. Shut down religion. Meaning that it's not about this way that you earn something or that's about this legalistic way. Um, so we can share in God's love. That's how he describes it. And I love that version of the 30 words of the gospel. Like, I love it. Because it's so powerful, because it, it encapsulates actually how the Bible talks about the gospel. It brings in um, a deeper message and understanding uh, to the gospel in and of itself. It allows us to see that, man, there's some language that has to be within the context of this good news of the gospel that without it, man, we're not actually preaching the gospel. So if you just said, um, hey, the gospel is Jesus died and rose again. Is that the gospel? Not the way the Bible talks about it. Is it a piece of the gospel message? Absolutely. Is it a big piece? No doubt. Right? But the way that actually Jesus teaches about the gospel is actually a little different than that. The way Paul talks about it, it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, the way that we kind of look at this in, in, its, in its entirety, it's, there's more to the message of the gospel. And here's the thing. When we try and shortchange it, we actually are shortchanging the good news. And it moves from being really good news to just being news. Or kind of good news. Because we try to shrink down the message of Jesus and the realities of Jesus. And that's what, we ends up, that's what ends up happening. So people don't experience the fullness of the message of the gospel within those that say that they follow Jesus. And so I want to just take us through a few things here um, that will help us kind of create a little bit larger picture around the gospel. Here's the first thing. The gospel message starts at the beginning. 
You guys should have known this if you've been on Hill City at any point in time. You know I love talking about how everything goes back to the beginning, um, into the creation story. Um, and, and because what you'll see is this thread that's woven in uh, through uh, so many stories, including even the birth of Jesus. And we'll see this in just a second. Um, how it gets woven in and gets connected to stories way before him. And so even in the beginning, there's something that's interesting about this message of the gospel. Look at this in Genesis 1:28. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What's fascinating here is that God's inviting us into something. That part of why I love the, the message that um, Bruxy says in that 30 words is this language of having this idea of kingdom associated with it. That the kingdom of God is, is always associated with the gospel. And so we see here right in the beginning in the, in the top that the earth, that, that God establishes like the earth is like his kingdom. And then he invites humans into this. Now, I'll talk a lot more about this, actually, for our Christmas Eve services. But the message of the gospel has always been associated with an invitation into God's kingdom. It's always there. You cannot get away from it. So even when we say, hey, what's the good news of Jesus? We have to have kingdom language in there in some capacity. We have to. Because there's this invitation for all of us to participate in God's kingdom. We're invited into this. Like, this is part of the gospel. This language has to be there. Because we're invited into something that is very significant. You see, in the beginning, when there's this idea, and again, you'll get more of this on Christmas Eve, but there's this idea that there's this overlap of heaven and earth coming together. That's what we're invited into. Um, at at Jesus' uh, life and death and resurrection, what happens? It's heaven and earth coming together. That we get invited into this. What happens when the Spirit begins to move in our lives? It's, it's heaven and earth coming together. And we're invited into this kingdom of God. And we're invited into participants in this with him. And so it starts changing how we begin to think about it. And so if your version of the gospel doesn't have language pointing to establishing the kingdom of God, then you are outside of what Jesus and the Bible teaches. So had we gone around... Had we gone around, it's like, tell me the gospel. And you're like, Jesus died and he rose again. But if you didn't have any language about the kingdom of God in there, then according to like how the Bible talks about it, then we would have been outside of how the Bible teaches us about the gospel. You would be thinking like, no, you're wrong, Wags. Take it up with Jesus. Ready? <laughs> Watch this. The time has come. The what? Of God has come near. Repent and believe what? <gasps> Look at this. Here, Jesus. He does it just that once, right? Nope. But he said, Look at this. I must proclaim the what? What is the word for that? Uh huh. Of the what? To the other towns also, because, no, look at this, because that is why I was what? So Jesus says, the man, this good news is about the kingdom of God coming here, and that we get to be a part of this. 
Like, this is part of why I came. And if he says that this is part of why I came, then that's how we're supposed to live it out and that we should be talking about that too. That part of this message of Jesus and why it's such good news is guess what? This ain't it. This ain't it. It's like, no, no, no. The kingdom of God we get to participate in. The kingdom of God is something so significant that that's actually the good news that we should be really focusing on. Here's the second part, the second thing. The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. This is obviously a massive deal. Jesus is the centering point of everything. If you're not familiar with your Bibles, um, even our Bibles are kind of like put out in this way, that we have the Old Testament, which is a story leading up to Jesus, the story of Israel, the story of creation, of humanity, the brokenness of humanity. And then the story kind of hinge point happens where the cross and resurrection of Jesus and this whole new story begins with the New Testament. It all hinges on Jesus. If Jesus didn't die and then rise again, guess what? We have no New Testament. If Jesus didn't die and rise again, then guess what? We have no Christianity. And so if Jesus didn't die and rise again, as Paul talks about, we're a bunch of fools for doing this. And so that the gospel then is like, man, that is about Jesus. And it centers on Jesus. Look Look at what it says in Mark chapter 1. In the beginning, the good news about who? Jesus. So we're, this, it's all getting laid out for us. Like Jesus talks about, man, and one of the reasons I was sent is to talk about this kingdom of God and get you guys to understand that the part of the good news and the gospel is like the kingdom of God is here and you're a part of this. And then Mark ends up saying like, hey, let me tell you about the good news, the gospel of Jesus. And it says the Messiah, the son of God. Here's the third thing. The gospel is heard, taught, and brought. The gospel is heard, it's taught, and it's brought. Um, we hear the word of God, John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life. So even at some point in time, um, if you call yourself a, a Christian, you heard the word of God and it struck you in some kind of way. And so when we think about even like the gospel in and of itself, it's like, man, when I process the gospel, it's like I, I hear it. Like at some point I, I heard it and it tapped into something in the very core of my being that said this, mm, there's something there. There's something there. there. There's something there that makes sense. There's something there that's a little deeper. There's something there that's challenging. There's something there that's really striking at the core of my being. And, and I heard that. I heard that, and, and there's something that happens. So even the gospel has to be heard. The gospel um, has to be talked about, too. Look at this in Matthew 28. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so we begin to see this, that, all right, so the gospel is, is heard. And then the gospel is taught. And so even how we kind of frame this, it's like, all right, when I think about this, it's like, man, I, I need to talk about the gospel. I need to teach people about the gospel. Like Jesus in Matthew 28, when he's, when he's going through and he's telling all of his disciples to do these very things, to take this message of the good news of the gospel of who he is, to teach other people about it, it's after he's gotten done describing what it means to follow him. 
which is also part of the gospel. But he said, man, but my followers have to teach others about it. This doesn't just mean, all right, you can kind of be in our discipleship track and you're going to be one of the coaches and that's how I'm going to teach. That's how I'm going to do it. You could do that. Like that's, that's an option. Well, I want to preach, Wags, because you told me I need to teach. Maybe. You, you might. Um, there's a lot you'd have to do to get there. But, like the, but you might do that. That could happen too. But here's how else you teach. You teach at work. Um, you teach in your friendships. You teach in your family. Um, you teach um, by simply telling people that you love Jesus and begin that kind of conversation. So part of like this whole gospel narrative and this whole gospel being good news is that the people who say they follow Jesus actually have to talk about following Jesus. So we shouldn't be silent about it. We, your people at your jobs, I'm not, again, whenever I say this, people, sometimes I'm, I just want to be careful. I'm not saying t- Monday you go in with your cross t-shirt and like being like, Christmas is about, you know, Jesus only, you know, forget Santa, like all this other stuff. And you kind of, I'm doing, making this bold claim. I'm not talking about that. I'm just, man, you're, the people that you're around, if they don't know, it's a problem if someone that you work with and you work closely with said this at some point. You're a Christian? That's a problem. Like, your people around you should, should know. And again, it just comes through, it can come through casual conversation about teaching. Here's one of the ways that I think it's important to take it in. If we don't talk about the gospel, then we either don't know it, don't trust it, or don't believe it. We should have those moments of, like, people understanding. I mean, it can be as simple as this, y'all. When you're like, what did you do this weekend? And you're like, oh, I had Thanksgiving, I did this. And, then like, and they say, what did you do this weekend? And you say, on Sunday, I went to church. Do you go to church anywhere? No, you don't go to church? Well, like, I've been going to church my whole life. I've been, I've been a Christian. And, like, it could be that simple. And it's, it can be like, that's the starting point. That person's like, ah, there's, there, all right, that person's like, that's a Jesus person over there. If I ever need anything, that's who I go to. Because like, if I ever need prayer, like, I'll go to that person, right? And you become that person. But if they don't know you're that person, that's a problem. Or if, or if you say, yeah, I'm, like, I went to church, and, they, and like, you go to church, that's also a problem, right? Because like, they're like, that's shocking. And so there's something that we've got to understand that, man, it doesn't have to be like this huge thing. It can be in the ease of conversation. It has to be brought. John 14, 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is simply saying here at this point that when, man, when, my, when my people are actually living out this gospel, they are, they are bringing the gospel to places. That there's something, they're, they're bringing the kingdom of God to places. They're bringing the message of Jesus into places. And here's what ends up happening is that the gospel is experienced by people. I think one of the greatest gifts that people can, um, or one of the greatest compliments someone can ever say is like, I experience something different when I'm with you, or I feel something different when I'm with you. And all they're saying in that moment is, man, I experience just like, there's just something different in you than I would think, than I would experience in someone who isn't a follower of Jesus. What is it? It's they're experiencing the message of the gospel. Here's the next thing. The gospel is the gospel's. 
Um, I heard this guy named Scott McKnight actually say this, and I loved this because he began then to describe, he's like, listen, when you see the, the gospel, he's like, you've got to read through the gospels to discover what the gospel is. We like to try and shrink just for ease, and I get it. Even the gospel in 30 words, I get it. We try to shrink it in 30 words to make it kind of digestible. But at the end of the day, here's the reality. Jesus did a lot of teaching. And he did a lot of different nuanced teaching. And um, it's all recorded in the Gospels. And in those Gospels, it means like he's building out what the kingdom of God is actually like. He's building out what his life is actually like. It's building out what it actually means to follow him. And that is the Gospel. And so even when we start to think, it's like, man, if I really want to understand the Gospel, then I have to read and know the Gospels. And so that's why it becomes so important. You will never fully read through the Gospels and be like, got it. I'm telling you, I don't care how young or old you are, you can read the Gospels every single day for the rest of your life and you will be challenged by something new every single day for the rest of your life. That's how powerful it is. That's the Gospel. Look at this in Mark chapter 1. He, he says this, he says, in the beginning, the good news, right, here we go, read this part already, but in, in the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. And so even when uh, he's tying this in, he's like, the gospel is the gospels, which is interesting because he's tying it into this larger story. So even within this story, he's tying it into a bigger story. It's always going like this, this bigger and bigger and bigger story that ends up getting attached to the very beginnings of time. So he's attaching it to Isaiah the prophet to say like, hey, listen, you're seeing this in the gospels that like, the story of Jesus is tied into the story of Israel. Well, the story of Israel is also tied into the fathers of, of Abraham and of Moses and, and these bigger stories of, of Noah even. And, like, and that's even tied into the stories of creation. And so there's this link, which is why the Bible is so cool, y'all. Like, it's fascinating that there's this, these kind of, one guy, Tim Mackey, talks about this. Like, there are these hyperlinks everywhere. And these hyperlinks are taking you to all these different stories. And this is what happens. is like, man, the story of Jesus is so powerful. It's so big. It's why it's such good news. I love in Matthew 5, Jesus got done, just got done talking about, um, hey, blessed are the people that do all these different things. Part, he's, he's giving a, a small window into what it means to follow him. And he says this, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of God. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of God. And here's why I bring this part up. Because we can't just take a slice or whatever we like out of the gospel and be like, this is what I want to concentrate on. So when Jesus says, you, when you do that, it's the, you, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus says, when you take all that I taught and begin to digest that and teach and then what? Obey those things. But that's following the gospel. That's engaging the gospel. That's when it actually becomes good news. So think about this. Here's some of the descriptors of what happens when the gospel gets lived out. There's love. There's unity. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's irrational generosity. There's justice. Good news for the poor and marginalized. Uncommon hospitality. The spirit moves supernaturally. There's racial restoration. There's healing in communities. That can be physical healing to like practical healing. Um, belief in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Lives centered on what Jesus taught. That's just a partial list. So we start seeing that, man, when the gospels are the gospel, when the gospel is the gospels, and when we see what the gospel actually looks like when it's lived out, I feel like that becomes a, like, all right, then that's what it should look, 
Is that good news? I sure as heck think so. I mean, who would look at that and be like, you know, I don't want that. But that's the point. That's the point. So for us as Christians, like, man, if I really want to be people of the gospel, if I really want to talk about the gospel, if I really want to experience the gospel, if I really want the gospel to be present in Richmond, this is what comes. So we've got to have a bigger vision of it. We've got to have a bigger view of what it means to live out the gospel. If we don't take it in all of what Jesus taught, then we aren't consumed with the gospel. We are consumed by our point of view. And this is the problem. We like to take the little slice of what Jesus said. And we're like, I'm just going to focus on that. And you'd be like, but what about loving your enemies? Like, yeah, but he said that. It's like, he turned over the table. He's like, sure, he turned over a table one time. Okay, and there's a lot to that story of why he turned over the table. Like, you can't justify your anger that way. And so, we, but we can all do that stuff, right? We like certain elements of what Jesus taught. Isn't it true we love to hone in on other people's sins that we don't struggle with? You know why we do that? It's because we're, we're just taking a little piece of what Jesus taught. And be like, mm, I actually do that part really well. And I love that part of Jesus' teaching. But what about all this stuff over here? Yeah, I mean, that's there, but it's just not what I concentrate on. See, we, we need to be consumed by the gospel. You see, when we're not, it's no longer good news. And so this Christmas season, um, these four weeks, um, today is just trying to give us a larger view, and then we're going to hone in on, on some different elements but I want us to have a big view of the gospel. I, I, I want us to be challenged of what the good news actually means. And to maybe, maybe be challenged by how we've kind of shrunk down the message of Jesus too much. And we're missing out on all that he taught and all that he actually truly means to us. You know, when we fully get the, the gospel, here's what you'll discover. Your life will forever be in exploring what it means. Because it's so rich, it's so big, it's so all-consuming, and it can change every part of you. That's why it's good news. So you can look to all the other news, and you can look to maybe a good thing here and there, whatever, but the only real good news that solves anything is through Jesus. The only thing that can actually really change stuff is like, man, the kingdom of God, that, that the gospel message is penetrating every part of our being. So I want us to take a minute here um, just to quiet our hearts. I'm going to take communion in just a, just a second. But I just want you guys to just bow your heads and close your eyes and um, just take a minute. Spend some time in silence here just processing what God might be speaking to your heart right now. Maybe there's some ways where you feel like you've shortchanged the gospel message in your life. Maybe there's... Um, Something particular that you know God's like, hey, I've been talking to you about this for a long time. But just whatever God's processing or speaking in your heart, I just want you to process that.